I'm going to continue on the study on Malachi. If you missed it last week, you really have to go back there. And uh, there are a lot of historical facts and context that we set up so that you can understand what it is that we are talking about, what is it that we are preaching about. And, um, and again, Malachi is not a book about raising money. We're not about to take an offering or donation, so you don't have to worry about money leaving your pocket. You know, I, ha- I used to have an assistant. She used to attend another church in the city, and she said that that pastor is such a genius. Well, that, you know, he, was, he had passed away by then. He said, you know, you, when you go to church, you better make sure your pocket is empty because if it's not, it's going to come out empty anyways, you know. And uh, so we're not about that. We're not like that, amen. And uh, so we're not raising any money, building new buildings or whatever. Uh, what we want to do is to teach the Word of God. Malachi actually is about a book that answers questions of the frustration of people people that have been giving and praying but have no answer. It is like our days, many Christians, sincere Christians have been giving and praying and have zero answers and still keep doing the same thing. You know, we need to be smart. If what we do doesn't work, we need to pause and say, hmm, it doesn't work. We need to examine ourselves, examine the circumstance, examine our understanding of the Word of God before we proceed along, before, you know, before we get to our age that we are like 99 and we thought, oh, I wish I would have just paused and just ask myself some serious question before I kept going. But you know, God in His grace is going to help us today, I pray, that we're going we're gonna to see why our prayers are not being answered and why our offerings are not being accepted. But, uh, so, but it's not about giving. Malachi is not about giving, but giving, actually not giving, the consequence or the result or the outcome of giving will tell us a lot about our attitude. The outcome of what has been promised, the outcome of our giving has a lot to do with our attitude. And, um, and what does that mean, the outcome? Well, it means the results, the results of your giving. And uh, I should actually just clarify myself when I, mean, when I say giving, unless specified, I mean tithes and offerings. Turn to your neighbor and say tithes and offerings. Okay, it's not just donation, okay? No, no donation, please. So last week, we spoke about attitudes of those pastors, me. See, I was preaching to myself if you were here last week, you know. Uh, pastors like me and priests like me on how we must be careful not to receive any offerings from people. Why? Two reasons. Number one, because, watch this now, if you're mad at me, please forgive me, okay? I ask for forgiveness way before we get started. Now, um, let's, you know, the reason is because God doesn't necessarily accept any offerings. So if God doesn't accept your offering, why waste the money? Go and buy some Popeye chickens after church. Keep the money, right? And so, you know, but, you know, if you remember from Genesis to now, um, the first offering that was offered was offered by Cain, his offering. And God rejected Cain's offering. And since then, many people's offerings had not been accepted by the Lord. Do you realize that? And so were the offerings in the days of Malachi. 
they were very frustrated that God didn't accept the offerings. How do I know? Again, because there was no results. And so we as pastors need to caution believers, the people of God, when it comes to offerings, you see. And uh, the, the second reason is that we know that God, um, if people are not giving properly, they will find out, they will feel like the Word of God is not true, and therefore, we had lower or demeaning the powerful promises in the Word of God. That's why a lot of people are not giving or even praying today. Anyways, pastors and priests like me must honor God, watch this, by not begging for donations or raising money. In fact, we have to be very careful to even accept or receive your offerings. You know why? Because in Malachi, we read last week is that when we receive your offering on behalf of God flippantly and carelessly, we are making a mockery of the name of God. In Malachi chapter 1. And because of that, many people disrespect now God. You see, you know, there is a place for, for ministries to raise money and so forth for whatever projects that they have and raise money for the poor and this sort of thing. But listen, when it comes to tithes and offerings, it's completely a different ball game. We have just confused the two in the kingdom of God. You know, tithes and offering must be given with the right heart or God will not accept it. It grieves my heart to see many of my fellow pastors and preachers who stand in front of the congregation begging for money. I always say this, if the God you serve needs your donation, he is a God not worth serving. If he is a God that needs your money, he's a God that's not worth serving. Don't kid yourself. He's not some idols of some religion, you know. You know, I come from the Asian background, you know. I remember when my parents were in the mission field, you know, we're, we're in Asia, you know, and it's here these days you go to a Chinese restaurant, you see. They have this little, little altar outside the restaurants, you know, and they have some oranges for their gods. Feel sorry for those gods. First, they put them at the level of the foot. How honorable is that? And then they give them oranges? Seriously? But you see, our God is not like that. Our God is awesome. He's amazing. He's incredible. Why would he need our money? So pastors, sometimes we have done the service to the name of God. That's why Malachi said we have brought mockery to the name of God by begging for donations. And the people would give, and we give them all kinds of uh, false promises and misleading promises, you know. We don't understand giving ourselves, and consequently, you know what happened? They say people get disappointed with God. They don't even respect God. Let me tell you this. Do, would you respect a person coming up to you with suit and tie, all dignified and all respectable, and hand out his, his, stretch out his hand and say, can I have some money from you? You would immediately lose respect for him. Are you here this morning? 
And that's why a lot of people had lost respect for God. So preachers like me, and, and you know, I don't play games in this church, right? I always say before offering, please don't donate. When you go to the back to give offerings or, or when you go online later on to give your tithes and offerings, you know, please don't donate. If you want to donate, give it to Salvation Army. In fact, there's a lot of charitable costs that you need to donate to. But when, you come, when it comes to tithes and offerings, my friends, this is not a donation. It is a worship. If you can't do it as a worship, don't do it at all. Save your money. Are you here this morning? Anyways, chapter 2, verse 10, we're going to continue. So I just review what we said last week. And now we're going to, we're going to talk, go to chapter 2, verse 10. Now, the Bible says, um, have we not all one father, Malachi asked, has not one God created us? And we all say, amen. Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judas had been faithless, and an abomination had been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah had profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and he'd married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendants of man who does this, who brings in offerings to the Lord of hosts. Now, let me pause here and kind of, before we go on, I'm going to explain this. If you notice that Malachi started talking about the, their faithlessness to one another. He started talking about that in context. If you read further, and we will get to that, he's talking about all this Jewish men, you know, they came back from Persia, you know, from, from, uh, from, uh, from, from exile. They've been living in Jerusalem. Temple is rebuilt. And some of these older men is going through midlife crisis, you know, literally. And so they divorce they, the wife that they married, the Jewish wife they married when they were young. And they went up to all these young girls who were serving foreign gods. That's what he's saying here, that they have, you know, they have, they have, uh, they have married daughters of foreign gods. They, they, they married those beautiful girls, and God is mad that you are not faithless they, because they are your sisters in the Lord. They are part of the kingdom of God. What are you doing? And so, but generally speaking, he is also connecting faithlessness that we have towards one another to profanity or profaning the temple of of God at the sanctuary of God. What is the connection? What is the connection between profaning the sanctuary of God and the relationship we have for one another? Do you realize that there is a direct correlation between the relationship you have with God or the attitude you have towards God and the relationship you have with each other or the attitude you have with each other. There is a co co direct correlation between the two different relationships. Here we see that they were considered 
faithless, faithless to God, even profane the sanctuary of God when they were faithless to each other. They were considered, you know, profaning the sanctuary of God. Man, I tell you, in our days, people do that all the time. Even many of so-called Christians. Do you know what the sanctuary of God is? The sanctuary of God is the gathering of God's people. This is the sanctuary. We don't have a temple, but the sanctuary is the, in the place, the presence of God is. When you praise and worship him, he inhabits the praises of the people. This is the sanctuary of God. And many people, I understand many, many Christians over the past many years have been deeply wounded by churches and relationships they had in churches. And so they would not even attend church. Not only would they would not attend church, they would begin to, they would begin to, to profane it, to, to, to say bad things about it, to discourage people from going into the house of God. And I understand the hurt, but I want to tell you, friends, we ought to be careful that we do not, do not profane the house of God, the sanctuary. Otherwise, God will not accept your offerings or listen to your prayer. Many sincere Christians, you know, today, they, they've been hurt. They're staying at home, and, and they, they try this, try that. It's just there is no breakthrough in their lives. Can't get a job in their lives. Why? Because there's an attitude problem. One of them is actually profaning the house of God. But here... God considers our relationship with each other, our faithlessness specifically to other brothers and sisters, equals to profaning the house of God. In fact, later on you'll learn that our relationship with our wives, if we divorce our wife, God considers that as us being a murderer and a robber, putting on the garment of violence. See, in the eyes of God, relationship with each other is very, very important. Now, before I go on, let me explain to you the word faithlessness that's being used. The Hebrew word that's being translated, that, 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 that is being used here by Malachi is bagat. It's not the French bread. It's B-A-G-A-D, bagat, right? What does bagat mean? Bagat means you are treating other brothers and sisters maliciously. You're treating other brother and sister with ill intent. You're pillaging them. You're robbing them. You're dishonoring them. You're, dis- you're treating them with deceit, with deception and treachery. That's begat. That's, that's faithlessness. You know, community as a community, a church community as a whole, society as a whole, even families, our relationship to God individually and collect- collect- collectively, watch this, affects how we relate to each other. It is impossible to say you love the God you can't see and hate the brother you can see. First John chapter 4, verse 20. Put that up, Hathen. The Word of God says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. God doesn't believe it. Why? Because he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love the brother whom he has not seen. In other words, as far as God is concerned, it is unnatural. Unnatural for those who claim to love God but don't like to be in relationship and in the company of other believers. Now, there is... 
I understand many people have been hurt by relationships in the church. I mean, church relationships, you know, are some of the most brutal relationships out there. And I can understand because of self-preservation and protection, many of them say, I don't want to get hurt again. I, I don't want to get hurt. And so they, they shy from relationships. They cut themselves off any possible relationship. And I want to tell you this. You and I need to open our heart to forgive those who offended us, whether knowingly or unknowingly, including these pastors. Some of you are watching. You know, you haven't been to church. You hate me because I say something that didn't align with you or did something. You need to forgive me because I need a lot of forgiveness too because I'm a man of great flaws myself. If it hadn't been for the grace of God, I wouldn't be standing here. But we need to forgive each other so that we can move further in God. I want to tell you this, is that God wants to heal you of all the hurts. Do not let people who had hurt you to hold you hostage so that you will not be able to go forward in the kingdom of God, in life, in everything that God has destiny and purpose for you. Don't let those who hurt you hold you hostage. Release them and forgive them and be set free then you can go further in life, further in your destiny, further in the kingdom of God, further in the pursuit of God. You know, many people don't like to get hurt, but the truth is this. If it doesn't hurt, it ain't love. If it doesn't hurt, it ain't love. Watch this. If you go to a baseball game with 70,000 people sitting in Rogers Center, only happens when they do a big playoffs, but, you know, usually 5,000. Anyway, I'm just joking. But if you have 70,000 people, you have zero relationship with the person who sits by, beside you. You could care less if he lives or you can have sick, whatever, right? It, it, no business to him. There's no love, and therefore you will never get hurt. The person who sits beside you will never be able to hurt you because there's no love. But what a shame it is that we have rejected love, many of us, because we've been hurt by somebody else. We have allowed those who hurt us to prevent us from enjoying and experiencing the fullness in the kingdom of God that is love. And so I want to encourage you to do that. That is allow the hurts that had been inflicted on us by others to prevent us experiencing more of God. But the truth is this. Our relationship with others is actually a reflection of our relationship with God. Watch this. Show me a congregation that knows how to love each other deeply, authentically. It doesn't matter what size it is. It doesn't matter if they don't have technology, likes and fancies like this. I love it. But, you know, that doesn't matter if, if it just could be as small as 50 people or as large as 20,000 people. Show me a congregation that truly, authentically, and genuinely love one another, not just the pastor to individuals, but the individuals in the church know how to love one another. I will show you a congregation that truly loves God. Show me a congregation that is cold to each other. I will show you a congregation that I have questioned about their love for God. You see, you can't judge them. No, I cannot. But that's what the Word of God says. 
Many people, they go to church because, you know, I'm not judging. It's good. It's really good. Uh, they go to church because they have amazing worship set up, amazing worship service, you know. They got all the bands, and, and they produce, you know, uh, uh, albums that are on the top of the chart, you know, and, and win, gra- you know, Emmy, what, Grammy, Emmy, what, what's the music thing? Grammy, Grammy Awards, winning Grammy Awards, you know, and, uh, 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 you know, they, uh, nothing wrong with it. It's really cool, you know, I just go and get entertained, which is awesome, you know, enjoy yourself, right? And there are people that go because of a good sermon, you know, thank you very much, <laughs> you know, but, but the key is this, is that if we go to church and that we cannot stand the people sitting beside us, then that love that we supposedly have with God it's not at its fullest potential. That's what the Bible tells us. Show me an individual who enjoys the company of other believers. I'll show you the individual who loves God. You know, last week, today's raining. I don't, I don't see them. I know maybe it's still out there. Last week, we have a group of people came to the first service. And, um, and after the first service... And everybody left. I saw they were still at the, on the bench in, in front of the church. There's a bench there. They're still sitting there drinking coffee and having a good time. And then uh, the second service started. They were still there. And after the second service ended, they were still there. And then after people fell out and left, they were still there. They were the last one to leave. These people understand how precious it is, how lovely it is to be in such fellowship with brothers and sisters. And I know you know that. That's why in spite of the danger of COVID-19, you are sitting here now. I know more than half the people in these congregations are still not comfortable coming to church. I understand. Please don't feel condemned or judged. Don't feel you're less. You are not less. I understand where you're at, and I love you, and praise God. I know that if there's an opportunity to come back, you'll be the first one at the door. I know that. But, you know, I want, you know, the people who are here, you are here because you love, you're looking forward to the relationship, even risking, you know, whatever that they say is happening out there. And by the way, I'll tell you this, with the rate that is going, I would not take gathering like that for granted. Every moment we have is a precious moment because you will never know if we are able to meet next Sunday. Don't take for granted. You know, people usually think, oh, you know, we, we can, our church will always be there. Don't be surprised one day when it's not there. Ask the Christians uh, who were in Iran in the 70s who felt like, you know, church will always be there, and today they cannot even meet, although there's the greatest revival going on there now in the underground churches. Ask those Chinese Christians before the communists came. You know, ask them if it's the church will always be there. We can never take the gathering of the saints for granted. It's so precious. It's so precious. I know you know that, and that's why you're here. And I pray that for those of us who who are struggling in in our relationship, learn to forgive, and then you will open up opportunity doors. And here God is saying this. Your relationship with each other, your faithfulness to each other is so critical, even in your prayer being answered and your offering being received by the Lord and also the rewards and the promises that come after Let's move on, verse 13. This is the second thing you do. 
You covered the Lord's altar with tears. Oh, we have seen that. With weeping and groaning. God! Why, why, why did they do that? Because God no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. What does it mean, accepts it with favor from your hand? It means that God will accept and receive the offering from you and then release favor to you for their time or for their context. In our context is that favors, unmerited favors, grace has been granted to us. Open doors, money, provision. It's our attitude that has, uh, has hindered us from getting, we'll see it later on in the, in, in when we study in the New Testament. Our attitude is getting through the door to, to, to receive what has been granted. Is that the blessings at your doorsteps is your attitude that is shutting you out. But for them, they're like, oh, God, why are you not? They're crying and groaning. Why have you not accepted our offerings? Meaning that we don't see any results in our offering. And before I go on and explain, I want to I say this controversial statement again. <laughs> I like that. You know, when it comes to blessings through tithes and offering, listen to me very carefully. It is always about the now. It's always about this lifetime. Some people say your offering will bring great rewards in heaven, and therefore, even if you don't see any results, you should praise and thank the Lord because, you know, when you get to heaven, you will have your rewards. Now, there are a couple of things wrong with this idea. I would propose to you, and I'm going to give some proposal. If you disagree, we're still all going to go to heaven. Amen? But I tell you, it works for me. I have experimented it. I know it works for me. It's true for me. And so, you know, if you don't believe me, go experiment what I'm going to say. But, you know, I believe tithes and offerings, and we're talking about tithes and offerings now, not, not partnering with other ministry, whatever, but our tithes and offerings have everything to do with the now, not in the future. You may say, well, pastor, what about Jesus says, you know, store up your treasure in heaven? Oh, how about Paul always talk about, you know, sending money to Jerusalem, sending money to him as a sweet aroma, sacrifice, pleasing unto the Lord. What about all this that Paul talks about? Well, let's talk about Paul first, and then we're going to jump back to Jesus, what he said and what he meant. What, if you read all the epistles that Paul had written about giving, you can categorize them in three areas. Number one is to give to the poor in Jerusalem. He's always soliciting money for the poor in Jerusalem. That's not tithes and offering. And number two is the giving the poor among us. That's not tithes and offering. Make no mistake about that. That's kindness. And number three is to give to the men of God. You know, uh, Paul the Apostle says that, you know, uh, uh, for those who teach well among you, they deserve the double portion of a physical blessing. And many of you understand that. You, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not soliciting, okay? Please, God has blessed me a lot, so I don't need any money. So, but, I, but I just want to mention this is that um, very often I receive offering. People would just, you know, among the Pentecostal, we have that joke called the Pentecostal handshake. You know, you handshake, and then there's uh, an envelope there, Shandai, right? And, uh, call it, and then many of you have done that, you know, uh, uh, for to me directly, praise God, but that's not your tithes and offering. Don't confuse that. 
and I have problem for ministry that solicitize an offering to their ministry to partner with them. Either it is, if it is tied or this is partnership, not both. Okay? And besides that, the store, tre- store storing up treasure in heaven, uh, if your tithes and offering is storing up treasure in heaven, you know, then it, it must be true, and it is true that God says that, you know, you reap what you sow. So if you, if you sow money, that means that you will reap lots of money as though the church or the house of God is some kind of uh, bank agency to transfer your money from this realm to the heavenly realm. That's nonsense. Besides that, you know, money is worthless in heaven. It's like rock is worthless on earth. You know, you know why? Because money is used for trading. Well, you can't trade in heaven. You can't say, well, I'm a, I'm, I have all this treasure. I'm going I'm to trade this, you know, to get a crown. You can't do that. And what Jesus is talking about is storing up treasure in heaven is not money. What is it? Well, Paul the Apostle kind of reviewed that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, when he was talking to Timothy before he, being, he was being executed. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have stayed the course, and I have kept my faith. Now there lay up for me a crown of righteousness, not only for me, but for those who are waiting for his return. Well, that's one of treasure, his crown. If you look at Revelation, all those four and 20 elders, when they worship God, they didn't put their bank book or check a checking account or go whatever before the Lord. They put the most treasured treasure in heaven. That would be their crown. They took it off and they laid it before the Lord to worship God. So for me, tithes and offering has nothing to do with afterlife. It's very much to do with this life. Now, tithes and offering is our worship. It's not partnership with this church. That some of you who are watching from internet, you're not part of this congregation. You're very faithful in tithing to your congregation. I thank God for that. And then yet you send money to this church because you want to partner with us to do the works of ministry, to reach different people. And we have done that and we're doing that. But you know, that's not your tithes and offering. And the people here, you know, there's got to be a difference. When you come to the altar to worship God with your tithes and offering, whether you do it online later on or whether you do it at the back, as I said, your heart must be right before God is that God this is my worship my tithes and offering be clear about that because it will make a world of difference what kind of reward you have if you say you know Lord I'm partnering with Willowdale some my tithes and offering that's a different rewards and so don't get confused there's a lot of smoke right now shaka but don't get confused okay let's move on the worship team is out here telling me that I'm to shut up soon okay let's do this Verse 14, but you say, why does he not, does he not what? Receive our offerings and therefore cause us to realize his favor because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. There you go. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one? Did God not make the couple one and a, with a portion of the spirit in the union? And what was the one thing God's seeking, God's godly offspring. Hallelujah. So guard yourself in your spirit and let none of you, none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, God of Israel, covers his garment with violence. 
says the Lord of hosts. I mentioned that earlier. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not be faithless. Why is it so important for God to, you know, to talk about uh, marriage and offerings? Because, you know, remember the context is that this men are coming to God and say, God, how come you're not answering our prayer, receiving our offerings? We got no results in our giving. And God is showing them. And this is the second thing that he's showing them is, you know, not just general relationship, but the way that you treat your wife. Now, he's talking to men now. Marriage is very important to God. Why? Because he's a God of covenant. Marriage is about covenant. So marriage is very important to God. And the Bible says God hates divorce. Now let me pause here. For some of you who had gone through divorce, some of you ladies, you've left your husband. God hates divorce, but he hates abuse also. Some of you had to leave your home. I do not want you to feel condemned or guilty or feel judged. Because if you'd have stayed at home, for some of you, you'd have enabled that man in your house to continue his violent ways and the ways of abuse. God will not honor that either. And God will not bless him, and therefore he will not bless you. And so don't feel guilty. Some of you have your husband walked out of you, some of you ladies. Don't feel guilty. This is not about you. It's about husband who is not faithful to their wives. But regardless, we are all under the grace of God. Whatever the stage you're in, you can start brand new today. We're going to have communion in a few seconds. You can start brand new in Jesus' name. And you can start brand new in your walk with God. We've all learned about how giving brings blessing in return. Yet, like I said twice already, some have seen very little response. And in this case, because offering was not accepted due to how those men had divorced their wife of the youth and being faithless to them. God did not accept their offerings, thus they were no favors realized. They were faithless to the covenant with their wives. Again, I think as far as favor is concerned in New Testament context is that because of the cross, the favor has been extended to us. We cannot receive the favor. It's not, God. It's not because God hasn't given us the favor. It's because we have blocked ourselves from the favor of God and prohibit ourselves from accessing the favor of God due to our attitudes, and in this case, the way that they treated their wives. And we are hindering ourselves from our prayer being answered. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 said it that much. We get to turn to it. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding uh, way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. So that what? Your prayers may not be hindered. I know many of us men come from culture that, you know, focus on the macho-ness. I'm the man of the house. I was joking with my wife. I said, you need to call me Lord. I did it more than once. She said, I will not call you nothing. I only have one Lord Jesus Christ. But I said, but I'm your Lord. Lord Paul. Sounds pretty good, right? And because of that macho-ness, we cannot disrespect our wives and all that. But, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself, too, that we will not hinder our own prayer. Would you please stand this morning?